the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is exactly what James is dealing with. People who love to be prominent, love to be leaders among leaders, love to be seen of men, to have the best seat. And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And you know why it's wrong? Because verse 15 tells us, This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. Whenever a man is caught up with selfish ambition, with jealousy, rivalry, competition, the reason it's wrong is because this is the way the world operates. It's worldly. This is the way the natural man operates. And this is the way that Satan operates. Let's look at that. My wife and I have a running joke because I eat so much faster than she does. Sometimes when I finish and her plate is still half full, I proclaim, I won. (laughs) She typically responds, I didn't know it was a race. I tell her, it's always a race. (laughs) We're just joking, but for some people, everything is a competition. It seems like practically everyone wants to get ahead in the rat race. And they have forgotten or never realized that the winner of the rat race is still a rat. God has something better in mind for his followers than just winning the rat race. We need to stop chasing after fame and fortune and start pursuing godly wisdom. That looks like foolishness to those caught up in the world's way of thinking, but it brings rewards that they cannot imagine. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We've been studying from James chapter 3, and in particular, verses 13 through 18, which compare and contrast worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. What's the difference? Well, one test might be that worldly wisdom revolves around personal ambition, but godly wisdom is focused on obedience to Christ and looks for ways to glorify Him. I invite you to follow in your Bible if you can. Here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson. James chapter 3. And let me read from verses 13 through 18 just to make you once again familiar with the passage because we've been spending, well, this is our third week dealing with this. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As I said a moment ago, this is our third message dealing with this passage, and it appears odd to spend three weeks studying five verses, but we don't want to rush over this because these are significant 
vital verses for us to understand. We're talking about the whole area of, of wisdom, godly living. And we have the choice, James says, of behaving like the world's wisdom or behaving like God's wisdom. Earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom, that's the way James puts it. And have you ever wondered why you, you meet certain people, you get to know them, and you know that they know Christ, but there is something missing in their life? You can't quite put your finger on it. They say the right words. They know the Lord. They may even witness for him. They speak about him. They go to church. They may be very faithful in a ministry, but something is wrong. Something is missing. They, they do not remind you of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no inward godly qualities like you believed the Bible calls a Christian to have. I've met a number of people like this. James is teaching us about this type of person. But the shocking news is that James is going a step further. He's telling us that these people are teachers in the congregation that he's addressing. They have the responsibility of leading others, and yet there's something missing in their life. In verses 1 through 12, James has told us the first thing that's missing is that God doesn't control their words. They speak certain ways, and they, they use their tongue to communicate not only the wrong things, but in the wrong way. The power of the tongue. And the first qualification that James tells us for being a teacher, a wise teacher, is make sure that God controls your tongue, because it has power. In verses 13 through 18, James is teaching about a second qualification, that our wisdom is controlled by God, that it isn't earthly, but it's heavenly. A teacher needs the wisdom of God. A teacher needs, as Solomon said, give me understanding and wisdom that I might lead this people. Now, we stated that these verses teach us, if you're taking notes on the outline, three truths about wisdom that distinguish the true from the false. How do you distinguish what's true wisdom from what's false wisdom? Number one, and we'll go through this quickly, the characteristics of true wisdom. He says there are two characteristics in verse 13, good behavior and gentleness. Good behavior means to turn and conform to the truth. It basically means when you're confronted with truth, you obey. If your life is not consistent, you get it consistent. And gentleness means it's strength under control. You're willing to be controlled by Christ. You're not going oh, in wild directions and out of control and, and trying to... Uh, Pour truth into people without being controlled by the Spirit of God. There's a gentleness, a kindness to you. You're under control. And in the spiritual realm, the most important aspect of teaching is not your style, James says, but your lifestyle. Nobody's perfect, but James is speaking about having that consistency that people can look and say, there's the kind of person I want to pattern my life after. His behavior is good. He's obedient and he's gentle. He's soothing. He's calm. He's under control. He has a, a good command of what he has to say, and he's in control of himself and how he says it. Then we spoke of the contrast of wisdoms. There are two types of wisdoms. We spoke that there in verse 14, it says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. 
Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is the contrast to godly wisdom. And I wish I could say that every Christian teacher is characterized by true wisdom, but that would not be true. There is so much jealousy and selfish ambition in Christian leaders that it's pathetic. And I am increasingly disturbed by what I see taking place in especially fundamental Christian circles, where I see men who are called Christian leaders who behave more like Pharisees than like Christ. This idea of who has the largest church or the best school has permeated our thinking, or who has the students with the shortest hair length, has simply invaded our thinking so that we become very legalistic, and that becomes the standard for godliness. We've gone in other, in other instances to Madison Avenue techniques to outdo one another. And there are actually Christian organizations that hire advertising agencies to tell them how to uh, manipulate and more of the Christian public and get more and more money and more funds coming in. And I observe so many who are Christian in doctrine, but carnal in wisdom. They say the right words. They believe the right things but their lives are a contradiction to these truths. You know, it's not, just, it's not just right to believe the truth. You've got to live the truth. It's not just right to have a doctrinal statement that's pure. You've got to be pure in your life. It isn't right to just believe the right things. It's to behave in the right way, in the proper spirit. But James says that they become arrogant. They become selfish in their ambition. But he says they become jealous, selfish, and it leads to an arrogance, a a pride. These leaders seem to have their lives characterized by an arrogant spirit. Everything rotates around them. They become the standard. Everything seems to have to go their way or they oust you out of their fellowship. And these people are so concerned usually about preaching the truth that they fail to live the truth. This is, this is increasingly disturbing with me as I get to know more and more Christian leaders. So many are, are, are into this pride, this arrogant spirit that will, that will just run over a person no matter what the expense is, no matter what the situation is, will be ungracious because they feel they have to do this to defend the truth and they mistake conviction for arrogance and vice versa. And what this does is it often leads to legalism. Someone a few weeks ago in our meeting on Wednesday night asked, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a group of pious Jews who were very threatened by the Lord Jesus Christ because he came speaking about spirituality being internal, and they made spirituality external. Someone has said this of the Pharisees. Generally, the teaching of the Pharisees was good. The problem was they didn't practice what they preached. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23, and you'll see how Jesus characterized the Pharisees. And the reason we say this is because this is so indicative of the Christian leaders that we see, that selfish ambition, that pride, that arrogance, that lying about themselves, thinking that they're somebody when they are nothing. We are nothing. But look what Jesus had to say, Matthew 23, right at the beginning. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not according 
to their deeds. In other words, their doctrine is good, but don't watch their lives because it doesn't measure up to what they're preaching. Or they say things and they don't do them. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments, and they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces being called by men, rabbi, teacher. And that's so sad that this is, uh, this is exactly what James is talking about. Remember, James grew up around Pharisees. Remember in our introduction to this book, we said that James has had it up to here with, with religious hypocrites, people who spoke the truth but never lived the truth. He never saw that in his brother, his half-brother, because the Lord Jesus is perfect. But he saw it in his followers, this, this kind of pharisaical attitude that says, I'm the standard, and it only leads to legalism leads to putting heavy loads upon people, and the spirit of grace is not there. We're not talking about lowering standards. We're talking about gracious spirit and attitude. This is exactly what James is dealing with. People who love to be prominent, love to be leaders among leaders, love to be seen of men, to have the best seat. And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And you know why it's wrong? Because verse 15 tells us, This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. Whenever a man is caught up with selfish ambition, with jealousy, rivalry, competition, and I've seen it more times than I I would like to have seen it, and it's probably not the last time, the reason it's wrong is because this is the way the world operates, it's worldly. This is the way the natural man operates, And this is the way that Satan operates. Let's look at that. It's worldly. Society operates exactly that way. It's get ahead. It's run over the person in front of you to get the top spot. It's it's natural, James says. In King James, I believe, it says it's sensual, meaning that this is the way we are without the Spirit of God. That's the, the term that is used there. It's the natural man. It's the man in the fall of mankind. It's man without the Spirit. And without the Spirit, he is only, and we are only out for ourselves. We're just like that unless the Spirit of God controls us. This is exactly James' point, who we're under control by. Out for ourselves, selfish, concerned only with us. I remember when I was first converted, one of the things that really struck me is uh, the word in my vocabulary, I and me, the two words. And I remember speaking to an unsaved person and kind of confessing, saying, I am sick of saying the word I. And that unsaved person I was speaking to gave me kind of a look of disgust because he couldn't relate to that because that's all a natural person thinks about me and I. And even when they do nice things for others, it's usually to gain the praise of those they're doing it for. That's what the Pharisees were all about, doing it so that people would say how great they are. And I don't think we see this in any better illustration than our children. Our children are are excellent illustrations of what the natural man is like without the Spirit of God. The Minnesota Crime Commission, which is not a theological commission, but they came up with this very sound biblical conclusion about children. And I'm only saying this to show you this is what mankind is like without the Spirit of God. This is the wisdom that James is speaking about. 
Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-censored. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch. Deny him these once and he seizes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, all children are born delinquents. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy every want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. That's the natural man. That's us without the Spirit of God. And James says a person, whether he be a Christian or not, who operates like that is operating just centered around himself. It's also demonic. Why does he say it's demonic? Because the central heart and thrust of demonic thinking and activity is jealousy, ambition, arrogance, lies. Satan said, I will be like the Most High. God said, no, you won't. And Satan said, I will ascend. I will be like that. You see, it's selfish ambition. It's pride. It's jealousy. It's arrogance. It's lies. It's rebellion against God. That's what this is. And what kind of a life is evidence like this? You know, the world tells us if you live like this, if you live to get ahead, it's fun, it's exciting, it's thrilling. But God says it's really not. It's empty. Look at verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. You know what the fruit is? Disorder, evil, and disorder is translated in Scripture, commotion, confusion, tumults, unstable, unruly. It, it means chaos. It's the same word that is used in 1 Corinthians 14, that God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of, of this. Satan is. The world is. Our nature is. And every evil thing. What James is saying is this. When you allow, and when I allow, and we all allow unwise teachers and leaders to be in a congregation, it only disrupts the fellowship. Rivalry only leads to an unstable situation, division in the church. It leads to chaos where, where people are running around not knowing where to do, where to go and what to do because the leadership is, is jealous and ambitious. For themselves and God isn't to be glorified no matter how we cover it up with uh, with spiritual terminology when there's chaos in a congregation and the congregation is just spinning its wheels going nowhere it's an indication that somewhere in the leadership there is selfish ambition there is rivalry there is jealousy it's what God's word says and then he says that it's every evil thing he doesn't mean that it's that it's evil in the sense of moral. It should be translated, it's worthless. It amounts to nothing. It's good for nothing is what we would say. It means that no matter how much activity you have, it will get you nowhere. Disorder will be there. Chaos will be there. You'll be going nowhere. You'll never progress. You'll be at a standstill filled with chaos and confusion. Is there any wonder why in so many churches and fundamental churches, there's so much chaos, division, instability, worthless activity. It gets right back to the leadership. 
because the leadership allows people in prominent positions who have the world's wisdom, their basics, hearts, intent. That's what they're centering their whole life around. No matter, as I said, how spiritual it comes out and sounds, God says if you see this evidence in a congregation, you know that somewhere in the leadership there's this kind of problem. And you know, I'm convinced more than ever after studying this, you know why God is blessing Lakeside like he is? And I don't know if you're aware of it. I don't think that I'm fully aware of all that's taking place here. Because those who are in leadership, and I'm not pointing a finger at me now, I'm talking about those who are our elders, our Sunday school teachers, uh, our staff, our deacons, those of you who are, who are in some leadership capacity, in some type of ministry, whether you have a title or not is, is really not the point. Because you obviously have to be walking with God in some manner of consistency or we wouldn't see the blessing of God here like we are. I told the elders this morning, I had an interesting phone call Friday from a student at Moody Bible Institute. And uh, I don't know the student. He doesn't know me. But the interesting thing about it is he said, I'm in a class taught by Dr. Donald Smith on evangelism, and we have to do a report on great churches in America. And I thought, wonder why he's calling us. And he said, Dr. Smith gave us a list. I don't know how long the list is. I don't want to think that it's 4,000 churches, but... I like to think that it's, you know, 10 maybe. He said, uh, Dr. Smith gave us a list of great churches, and your church was on that list. And uh, (laughs) I I thought at first he was saying, Greg churches. I didn't even hear what he said. And then he said, great churches, and it dawned on me, and I didn't want to come across like, oh, really? So, um, and he said, yes. He said, I wonder if you could help me on a report. And so uh, he's going to send some information to me, and we'll go over some biblical principles on that. But the reason things are happening here is because, as I've said so many times, a church will only be as great as its faithfulness to the word and as those who lead it. Because they set the pace. Ungodly leadership just gets in the way of God. God works through holy channels. And that's why great things are happening. Great things are happening because of that. We've probably all heard the old saying that God uses cracked vessels, but not dirty ones. We all have flaws, and we come short of perfection, but if we seek holiness and godly wisdom, God will mold us day by day into His own image. And as the leadership in our churches becomes increasingly godly, we can expect to see increasing levels of spiritual maturity all through the congregation. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily Bible classes of the air. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're in the area. Lakeside's address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For service times, call the office at 727-441-1714. You can also get information at the website, lakesidechapel.com. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. It's been a while since I mentioned this, but Pastor Steve has a special concern for the blind. He would like me to remind you that if you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, you can get a free audio Bible for your player by calling 800-838-5924 or by going online to www.blindbibles.com. That's 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. While we value every one of our listeners, 
I'd like to take a moment to thank those of you who give to help pay for the production expenses and airtime we need so we can keep these practical Bible lessons on the air. If you'd like to send a special gift or maybe even begin regular monthly giving, we do hope that you will remain faithful to your own church while you do so. For information on giving, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, and click on the giving link. There you'll be able to read some of our philosophy as well as find a link to a page where you can give easily and securely right on our website. That's versebyverseradio.org. While you're there, perhaps you'll want to spend some time browsing our extensive audio library of previous broadcasts, which you can access by clicking the Message Archive link. This is Jerry Peterson. Without purity in the lives of church leadership, the church will not be effective. I know of a man who seems to be saved, but he still thinks like an unsaved person. He keeps asking to be brought onto his church's elder board. He thinks it's like a board of directors. Well, as long as he misses the fact that elders shepherd the flock, whether they are members of a board or not, he's not someone who would be considered for that position. Lots of churches don't get that, though, and I think that's why the spiritual lives of those churches are so lacking. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will continue in James 3 as we consider the gentle lives of wise leaders. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.